Institute for Faith and Freedom at Grove City College presents Liberty Mail with the Student Fellows of Faith and Freedom. Welcome back to Liberty Mail with Aaron Jenkson and Libby Krieger. <laughs> and we are here in the underground studio at Grove City College working for the Institute for Faith and Freedom. And we're so excited to be back at the second semester in for Liberty Mail. Uh, first semester was fun and it was a learning curve, but I think we got it down to kind of a little bit of a science. Yeah, definitely. Hope you guys enjoyed the special guest episodes, too. Those were really fun to do. Absolutely. We'll probably have some more of those coming up at some point this semester. Mm -hmm. And please feel free to uh, drop some comments, some questions this semester. We're really looking to uh, engage with you guys on any uh, any questions you have, really. And so we're just going to hop right into it on the first win. Yeah, so I'll take us away on that first win. We have Governor of Virginia, Glenn Youngkin, was just inaugurated, but the win comes, he enacted 11 executive orders on the first day. And so I guess this is a little more nuanced because I feel like there's some really good things about it, but then some principled matters that I feel a little bit more uneasy with. Um, So looking at some of the content, I think was good. So he was trying to ban critical race theories in school, um, ban mask mandates in school, investigate the Loudoun County sexual assault scandal, um, and also combat shutdowns to make Virginia more open for business. So I think those face value, those are good things content-wise of these executive orders. Um, I know we talked about a little bit before filming is for this CRT ban, mm-hmm. it's hard because it, if you look at the actual text of the executive order, it talks about banning divisive concepts. Um, and my question comes with who defines what a divisive concept is? Well, so the superintendent of public instruction at the uh, state level will be combing through, I read through the executive order, mm-hmm. will be combing through every uh, curriculum, every uh, class uh, like setup that okay. teachers yeah. uh propose at the beginning of the years mm-hmm. and so they're gonna be coming through that throughout the whole year my, my only problem is i think we talked i talked about this i think with josh east on the podcast and it was like okay when we look through crt mm-hmm. i think we have to be really specific because yeah. if i like this when we just say okay uh this is gonna be used in the, in the media and against us so i think we have to be the bigger man and be like okay uh, we're against this this and this like mm-hmm. we cannot have uh oppressors versus oppressed we can't be uh causing children to be like race-based people only on race yeah. yes so then just be better with your words i think other mm-hmm. than saying okay we're going to have a ban on critical race theory because i think if you came out if young came out and said we're going to have a ban on any racist rhetoric in the classroom mm-hmm. it's, it's harder for the left to kind of twist that or any yeah. media to twist that like we can kind of work on how we brand mm-hmm. this and so it's more um supported across the board almost yeah absolutely and Throughout the whole uh, executive order, it just says divisive concepts, mm. and then CRT is kind of like the banner yeah, above it. and that's pretty vague. Which It, it is c- a divisive it, concept. Yes, but it, it points to the fact that it's, it's more nuanced than yeah. just, okay, we're against critical race theory. Mm-hmm. There's this so many people supportive of critical race theory. Let's try to understand why they are mm-hmm. and then kind of work together yeah. and be like, okay, we hate, we don't like these ideas, but we agree with you on this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think also with the mask mandates, that's something that you're going to see some schools pushing back on. Specifically, I believe Loudoun County already voted to continue with the mask mandate. And obviously, Mm -hmm. that's the one that's been kind of like the epicenter of the transgender debate, the... um, the CRT debate. And so I'm not surprised that it's starting there, but it's going to show that there's going to need to be some enforcement arm if that is to actually 
occur having this ban on mask mandates. Otherwise, it's just going to be, again, every school district for themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I almost wonder if these being executive orders and bypassing legislative process kind of gives the people in the schools uh, power or at least like they feel like they have the power to just kind of throw it out the window, toss it aside. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. uh, This is not a democratic process. Mm -hmm. Okay, okay. But yeah, so it's interesting to see Young can do it off the bat. But again, like, Opening uh, Virginia for all business mm-hmm. right away is really good for the, I think the economy in a time that we need it. Yeah. yeah, and I think it's a really popular move. He was promising it on the campaign trail, yeah, and he exactly. came through with it. A lot of these are campaign promises, and in an area where he didn't shift his campaign to the culture war issues until the very end because that's when they realized that was the winning um, yeah. topic in Virginia at the time. Um, so I think that many residents of Virginia would be excited about that because that's why they voted for him. Um, but I guess the part that part of me as like more of a constitutionalist can be a little more wary of just like executive action because mm-hmm. that just gets rolled back the next time a blue governor gets in. Um, and there's a reason why legislative action takes longer, but it's because it's more representative of the people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think we shouldn't always jump to executive orders, but sometimes conservatives should use the political power they have. So I, I go back and forth between those two. Um, just h- hard conversation, obviously. Yeah, kind of to further your point, I, I think that it will just, as these executive orders get put into place, then they'll kind of, some of them will get rolled back mm-hmm. as soon as uh, either the legislative yeah. branch kind of comes into power and they're like, eh, we don't want this anymore. Yeah. Or at least it sets the precedent of like just every time a governor or a president comes into office, yeah. that's how they fulfill their, their, uh, their promises, promises yeah. instead of kind of like working it out. Mm-hmm. And maybe in the first 90 days, yeah. we judge them now it's, okay, you have a week to kind of fulfill some executive orders because mm-hmm. we know you have the power. Yeah, A weird precedent and not a favorite of any conservative. Yeah, they kind of do conservative that as I, presidents I and um, governors now. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, so I guess... I feel like that is a win in the most part, but obviously there's some areas where mm-hmm. I, I think we should be wary. We shouldn't just like full on embrace executive action in every instance. Mm-hmm. One of the bigger ones, which I liked, was the vaccine mandate rollback for state employees. Mm-hmm. Um, I know Dr. Z was talking to us and that Starbucks is also another company who just repealed their yeah. mandate for vaccines in the workplace. That's huge. And Especially so, after the OSHA ruling yeah, at the Supreme n- Court. Correct. Obviously, and that's a huge a win. A national brand doing that is a really good step for a corporate because I know in conservative circles, the concern is that corporate America will kind of undertake this mandates Mm -hmm. and uh, cultural kind of (laughs) implementation in the workplace. Well, some companies are. And I'm actually, I'm very pleasantly surprised at Starbucks because, you know, you kind of consider them to be more on the liberal side. Um, Yeah, based in Seattle. And, but then you have a company like Carhartt who said they're going to still enforce the vaccine mandate, which I just think is interesting because if they knew their brand and they knew their um, consumer base, I think they would have they wouldn't have not or they would not have done that um, because I think a lot of the pushback they'll get is from conservatives who are like, why are you still implementing a vaccine mandate on your employees? Yeah, I, I look at Carhartt and I see the two like you see the blue collared working mm-hmm. individual who wears <laughs> Carhartt, and then yeah. you see kind of the trendy TikTok. Uh, the young progressives. <laughs> wearing the beanie. Yeah, and exactly. So even here at Grove City, you and see the And they're so young, different, too. It is So very, I guess they're really pandering to the one side with that. Yeah. Was, I don't know. It'll be fine moving forward, but it is interesting to see, like, a historically blue-collar company. Yeah. 
it just goes against what we kind of have well, it in, the in our mind. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess we'll see if they get the monetary pushback. And I think if they do, they'll probably be forced to roll that back just because like money speaks. Yeah. It's the biggest incentive. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, kind of jumping into win number two, I know we have a video at some point on this, mm. which Aaron found, but um, the filibuster. We've talked about this before, but Senators Manchin and Cinema, who are known to be the two kind of moderate Democrats in the Senate, are standing strong against the filibuster, which I think is really great. Um, just as a matter of principle, I don't think one side should be able to ram down their agenda onto the minority. So I think that is big, especially because President Biden was really, I think he was meeting with them and really trying to get them to uh, break on that so they can pass their, quote, voting rights bill. Yeah. There's been a number of individuals who, when describing the filibuster, they say it is a, a stoppage, a block mm -hmm. for the majority to have tyranny over minority in, in the Senate. So when, and we've heard this out of Joe Biden's mouth, which is the video we will show, Senator Biden at the time. Mm -hmm. And Honestly, when I was watching this video, it's it's like it's motivating, and it's like you, you're listening about it's emotional. It's it, it tugs on you. Yeah. And then for then politicians, it's just they know how it to just switches it. so fast, which yeah. is, it's crazy to think about. Um, I would I think we should just pull it up right now and kind of get it going. Yeah, let's roll it in, Streeter. Was segregated by law. Was a slave state. I came here to fight it. And this is in 2005. But even I understood, with all the passion I felt as a 29-year-old kid running for the Senate, the purpose, the purpose of extended debate, getting rid of the filibuster has long-term consequences. If there's one thing I've learned in my years here, once you change the rules and surrender the Senate's institutional power, you never get it back. Very true. <laughs> yeah. And we're about to break the rules to change the rules. Break the rules of change. I don't want to hear about fair play from my friends. Under our rules, you're required to get a two-thirds vote. I mean, excuse me, 60 votes to change the rules. Watch what happens. Watch what happens when the majority leader stands up and says to the vice president, if we go forward with this, and he calls the question. And one of us, I expect our leader, will, the Democratic side, will stand up and say, parliamentary inquiry, Mr. President, is this parliamentarily appropriate. And in every other case since I've been here for 32 years, the presiding officer leans down to the parliamentarian and says, what's the rule, Mr. Parliamentarian? The parliamentarian turns and tells him, hold your breath, parliamentarian. He's not going to look to you because he knows what you would say. He would say this is not parliamentarily appropriate. You can not change the Senate rules by a pure majority vote. And this is in 2005 when so the Republicans want to kind of get rid of the filibuster, or at least are talking about it. Watch when this happens, and watch the vice president. Oh, Ignore he's, he's not required to look to an unelected officer. But that has been the practice for 218 years. He will not look down and say, what is the ruling? He will make the ruling, which is a lie, a lie about the rule. I think that's right at the two-minute mark. If you want to pause, this is what real really quick. is going on here. Wow, I, I agree with with Joe yeah, Biden. He made like I listened to this and I'm like, okay, he's tying the filibuster to like founding founding ideas of America mm -hmm. concepts. Uh, 
of protection within the Senate of power. And it's motivating. I'm like, yes, I, I'm with it. Yeah. And, and I like how he mentioned um, the second that you do surrender those powers, you're never going to get them back, which is exactly true of just how human nature works. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a classical conservative concept and view, not concept, but a view of, upon politics. Yeah. And it's just interesting to see how that has so far come from that point mm-hmm. into what we're seeing from um, Joe Biden right now. Yeah. If I was in charge of a media company, I would not even... I don't know. I'll do like a, a quick segment mm-hmm. on the filibuster, but I'd just be replaying like a yeah. v- old videos of politicians talking about how they so supported many. it. I'm and sure there's so many. It's just bad hypocrisy, but I'm sure like I, I will not, I'll turn to myself or our party or whatever it is, not our party, but uh, associated with conservatism the, yeah. and then say that if in 2005 when we were trying to get or they were trying to get rid of kind of the filibuster. So mm-hmm. it's interesting to see just, again, flip, flip, flip. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's just kind of it. how when the pendulum swings, yeah. you know, there's a natural flow with that. And it doesn't mean we should, obviously, as conservatives, um, try to get rid of the filibuster when we have the majority. Mm-hmm. I do think it is important to kind of keep those um, barriers in place to not allow a majority rule. Um, this is where I hope where the kind of the rational mind comes in. And it's like, okay, okay, we see it happening throughout mm-hmm. past 20 years, and it's on both sides. Maybe we should just keep this and shoot down any person trying to persecute against this. Yeah, definitely. And I know, so I was watching, um, I think it was MSNBC, mm-hmm. Joy Reads, The Readout, whatever I it was. I love Joy Read. Yeah, so that was um, some good entertainment. And I was just trying to really understand kind of where <laughs> the other side is coming from and what they're talking about right now, because I think mm-hmm. that shows you even more than watching people that you don't, you already agree with. Um, and they were talking about the filibuster, too, and just how uh, Manchin and Cinema need to understand how important it is to pass this voting rights bill. And so they, they need to stop right now and um, vote to get rid of the filibuster. And along with, like, Bernie Sanders, Raphael Warnick, really these radicals who mm. I have some quotes here from – um, we're not calling it a 1965 moment, moment and that we're on the brink of peril. Um, and it's just interesting how you, these senators and like these um, political commenta- commentators get louder and they get more hy- hysterical to make it seem as it's like, if this doesn't happen, the world is over. Um, and it makes you think that they are more correct because they are more passionate about it, mm-hmm. um, creating this sense of urgency. And everyone's calling it a voting rights bill. And even um, I saw many different articles on qu- calling it a voting rights bill. And, I mean, I think at least a lot of conservatives would say, well, it's not quite a voting rights bill. Who doesn't have the right to vote already? It's it's making it easier for potential fraud. And um, obviously, like, I don't know everything in the bill, but it's just interesting to see, like, the rhetoric, rhetoric around it. Yeah, I like your point that, okay, we have these uh, either Bernie Mm -hmm. or Manchin and sometimes viewed as uh, (laughs) kind of far off to one side. Warnock instead of Manchin? Oh, yeah, sorry. Just want to make sure. And and, and so it's it's interesting to see these characters or uh, senators come into play. Mm -hmm. And it it just reminds me of James Madison in the Federalist. It's like ambitions will counteract Mm -hmm. ambitions. Yeah. And because – Bernie knows that if the filibuster gets thrown out right now and he's still working in the Senate because he probably will probably be, will be. <laughs> in four years when the Republicans come into power probably. And so it's going to be them as a minor- minority. Yeah. And it does not want to see that. You so would, he, at least he understands that. Yeah. I mean, because when you think about it, like 
political analysts are expecting a sort of red wave just mm-hmm. because the way the economy has been going and way the way that COVID has been handled, they're expecting 2022 to be a big year for Republicans. And so you would think that these politicians would have enough foresight to understand that, hey, if you lose the Senate and you lose the House and then in this next cycle, you shouldn't be advocating for a complete majority role now because, I mean, you, you think your own cognitive dissonance would kind of hold you back from doing that. Mm-hmm. But I guess it's – the when they know I, – I wonder if this is part of it – is when they know the media won't hold them to account for that. Like how many times have you seen this clip of Joe Biden in the media? Personally, I haven't seen it once mm-hmm. because the mainstream media won't hold this side to account. Um, so they know they don't have to be consistent to um, have a good image. Yeah. No, I, was, I like that point you bring up, but it's just so crazy to think that not a single, I mean, okay, no, not a, we have a couple uh, <laughs> individuals stepping forward and understanding this, but the majority kind of either just have the sheep mentality or step to yeah. the side, and it, it just has an eerie feeling for every mm-hmm. American, or at least for myself, it's an eerie feeling about yeah. politicians in power. Yeah, and I, I, I respect Joe Manchin on this. I think also, though, he's probably understanding the political winds of his constituents. Mm. And West Virginia isn't a radical state. Like, it's not a New York. It's not a California. Um, So I think he's also understanding, like, hey, if you want to stay senator, you're going to have to stand up against this and at least be kind of more centrist. Um, Mm. So I think he understands his place well in in representing his constituents. So um, a lot of respect for him, because I know that must be hard whenever basically every other member of your party except cinema and the president of the United States are just (laughs) slamming you. And the media is Mm. piling on top too. So a lot of respect there. Absolutely. If you have anything, I'll I'll hop over to the third win. No, please. The good third win. So so third win comes about, thank you, Streeter. Sorry about that. And third win comes about uh, Supreme Court. Now, it's kind of picky because this case is uh, the trustees of New Life in Christchurch in Virginia versus uh, Fredrickson or Fredericksburg. Mm-hmm. And so the case was dismissed, but my strongest kind of win out of it was that Justice Gorsuch had a really good dissenting opinion. And whatever your opinion on him over the past uh, five years has been, no, seven, six years have been now, whatever it will be, he establishes himself as a firm supporter and kind of ally of religious liberty mm-hmm. right now. Definitely in a time when either the media is kind of pushing against religious liberty saying or questioning at least at the most. And so to see Gorsuch dissent, and it was really strong, and I just want to read a couple of quotes from him. He says, uh, so he says that he would further uh, grant the church's petition for review, but that he'd actually rule in favor if they did listen to uh, the petition. And then he goes, the First Amendment does not permit bureaucrats or judges to subject religious beliefs to verification, which I love. Mm-hmm. The, he, knew, he, he also talks later about how the founding fathers knew the persecution that they came from in Europe and in England. And so when they came here and established these rules and these uh, First Amendments specifically, there's no verification. There's no, it's no, you have mm-hmm. these rights, these liberties. Yeah. Government can't push it on those no matter what they think. Yeah, you're kind of seeing an originalist judicial philosophy with mm. Gorsuch. I mean, Absolutely. we already knew he had that, but he's really making that clear in this dissent. Mm. Yeah, so I just want to pull up some of the, the case that they were arguing real quick, too. Well, while you do that, I, I just like I really love um, analyzing the Supreme Court um, mm. and what you're seeing and what we've seen kind of in the last few years is kind of a 3-3-3 court. Mm. Um, and this is something that I've listened to 
There's a there's a podcast with David French and Sarah Isker called Advisory Opinions, and they have a lot of good legal analysis, even though I'm not a huge fan of French, but I think he does have a great legal mind. Um, so there's a voting voting block of Alito, Gorsuch, and Thomas as like you think the the typical like the most conservative um, of the court, like very solid. Mm-hmm. And then you obviously have Breyer, Sotomayor, and Kagan as the the left of the court, and then you have kind of more toss up with Kavanaugh, um, Amy Coney Barrett, and Justice or Chief Justice Roberts. So it is just interesting to see how often those three blocks come into play. And obviously, it's not every case like mm. um, the OSHA ruling. Um, I just, but that one was interesting. I know, don't want to get too far into that one, but how Kavanaugh actually sided on the. Uh, with the liberals on the part about the hospital employees with the vaccine mm-hmm. mandate. So that was just interesting. But um, do you have the facts of the case now? So yeah, I never read that, that opinion, but I will look into Kavanaugh's mm-hmm. opinion on that. Um, so the, the appeal came from uh, the New Life Christ Church. Mm-hmm. Uh, they bought a house for a couple, I think it was youth, youth minister, yeah. Mm-hmm. And they bought this house for them to live in and then... Uh, carry out their duties, and they were serving to college students and high school Mm -hmm. students in the area. And so the church wrote off the the purchase of the building as a tax write-off, religious liberty. And then the town of Fredericksburg said, no, 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 Mm -hmm. this uh, does not count or does not fulfill your religious requirements under the law. Yeah, because isn't there law that um, one or like a— the minister, they can get a tax exemption for their place of residence. Um, and then they, so Virginia or the city of Fredericksburg here said, um, you can only have one or something of that sort. Like they were being very particular and trying to delve into whether or not that these like ministers were considered like the minister of the church. So they were like getting too much into the business mm. and the details rather than um, accepting like the religious liberty tax exemption. I understand. Yeah, and some of the city lawyers and then just they came out with statements saying that the authority of the court in Virginia to mm-hmm. make uh, to make a determination of relevant facts based on evidence when adjudicating a church's application for Virginia's tax exemption. So I don't know what those specific details and evidence yeah. of that case are that they're uh, pointing to right here mm-hmm. in that statement because in my mind it's – okay, this couple moves out. Like in everything I read on either Oyas or um, on just on the uh, like Supreme NBC Court, News, yeah, yeah, anything, it just is that the church bought this home mm-hmm. for this couple that is ministering to college students and high school students and wrote it off, and then they got denied. Yeah. And so that's where the case stemmed from. So I would love to see like court documents come out because yeah. it just got denied. So hopefully that is like the end point of it. Mm-hmm. And then everything gets released to the public in a few weeks. Yeah. I'm interested to see, I know, I think uh, the article I read said the Supreme court was pretty torn about this case that discussing it like 10 mm-hmm. times in their back room, whether they should take it. Um, but obviously Gorsuch putting out this public dissent, um, that's a signal that he's willing to stand for religious liberty and probably even to future cases that um, maybe people are considering bringing up to the Supreme Court. He's signaling, hey, I'm going to stand with religious liberty um, because like, obviously he, him putting out this statement has no actual effect because mm. the court couldn't they, – they didn't agree to take the case. Um, so you have to look into like what other purpose would this have and that I think is to signal where he stands and where he will be standing uh, on future cases of this sort. So I, I think that that is a win. Mm, I agree 100%. And then it's funny that you say that because 
it's really interesting implication. I think for mm-hmm. a COVID mandate coming into effect, um, and then how that plays in with religious liberties. Yeah, uh, I don't know for yourself, but I have a couple friends back in New York that either have tried to get religious exemptions from the booster shot mm-hmm. going back to college. Yeah. And so when we we're talking about this over Christmas break, it's they have to either write a paper or show documents of mm-hmm. something to verify that their religious exemption uh, has merit. Yeah. And so it it almost if you just take out mandate with then the tax code in this case and mm-hmm. then see how Gorsuch rules, I think he would also rule in favor for a student not being required to verify their own religious exemption. Yeah, true. You can, like, apply it across the board. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just think this is definitely an interesting time to think about the Supreme Court, too, because when we had such a consequential case with this OSHA mandate um, that, thankfully, the court struck down as OSHA not having the ability to do that, it just shows you how much it does matter who's in the presidency, because if if we would have had a different um, outcome in 2016, oh. then, you know, three different justices would have been there. And that means compl- like a completely different outcome would have likely happened. Um, and and that would have meant a huge change for the future of this country. And I think it would have been something that would have kind of altered the course of how things go from here with COVID mm. um, and just like our, our rights in general. And so I think that goes to show how important these um, judicial nominations are and something that I don't think we often consider on thinking about um, who we're electing to these positions, but it's just, it it does really have such an impact. Absolutely, and I think it kind of ties into conservatism at mm-hmm. the basis of that. Yeah, We do not want things to be so fast-paced in this country that your freedoms or liberties are tossed aside for convenience sake yeah. uh, or for protection's sake. And so to have a, a system that moves a little slower when we talk about something such uh, so important as your liberty or freedom, mm-hmm. we, we prefer that over fast going. Yeah, exactly. Well, I guess that kind of ends it up for this week. So mm-hmm. thank you guys for tuning in to Liberty Mail. We'll be back next week with another episode. We also have a TikTok coming. Is that right, Aaron? Yes, we have a TikTok account so actually coming into the works on TikTok. Um, hopefully we can announce when that's kind of launching and we'll try to get some mm-hmm. clips up there. Um, so follow us there if, and hopefully we'll come up on your For You page. But if not, subscribe to our YouTube channel, hit the bell so you're notified, and we'll see you here next week. Thanks, y'all.